2: your life is your life don't let it be clubbed into dank submission be on the watch there are ways out there is light somewhere it may not be much light but it beats the darkness be on the watch God will offer you chances know them take them. You can't beat death. But you can beat death in life. Sometimes. And the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. God waits to delight. Welcome, you. Yeah. Welcome to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. I have Shane Tubbs with me again. This is the second part. If you have not heard the first one, go back and do that right now. Otherwise, this would be like picking up a book series, but you're starting with the second book. It would be really hard to. uh, put two and two together so here we go all right so Uh, right where we are in the timeline you're 27 28 you're playing in church yeah yeah and uh
3: and i did that for a few years for three four years so let's see oh seven probably so i was uh 29 then yeah uh so i'm um we had fifth Sunday singings in our church and they always invited folks from the area, you know, and if, uh, you know, a lot of people that play in bands are Christians and they go to stuff like that. And I met a few people like that. And, uh, finally, I, I really wish I could remember who it was, but I don't. Uh, they, it was a person that attended the church regularly though. And they came through and they were like, you know, I uh, heard they were doing a uh, an open mic somewhere in town, and I don't rem- I don't remember the place. And the reason I don't remember any of it is because I was like, oh, no, 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 not no, I'm, I'm terrified. Well, I was just terrified. Okay. It wasn't that I would you know I would have win. It was it would have been fun. I had been you know singing with other people at the church, and I had but I had yet to really play you know more than one time very occasionally with any other musicians you know and but i was getting to where i like to watch local musicians and uh uh i i, I didn't do it so yes. some months went by and one of our members was uh, uh works over here at the uh at the columbus arts council mm-hmm. and they were doing a themed deal with uh and they wanted some johnny cash music and if you're a guy who's new to playing chords and singing
2: play johnny cash johnny
3: cash music is is the intro because it's it it, it it's it is easy but it not is. only is it easy it's uh it's also got its own original feel to it so there's a lot you can do to yeah. make it yours and at the same time you're doing you yeah. it's a johnny cash you sound you can hear the Everybody, train coming anyway exactly way you want. exactly right yes uh, and uh, so I agreed to do that and I had a lot of fun doing it and so she uh and i wouldn't have agreed really but it was like three songs and she was like you know I, I know you like johnny cash so you know do you feel like doing it and she was a church member and i was oh, okay okay and it just so happened that when i played there was like 40 people at the it was like a mill around kind of show it was a uh-huh. festival at the park or something and uh they uh anyway but when I, like, by the time I got done with the first song, Johnny Cash, I didn't realize this at the time, but it's such a huge hit that anybody loves him. <laughs> and so, like, by the third song, there's a little crowd there, and they're, you know, they're getting on with it. And, man, I, I thought that was just the coolest thing. Zing it up. So, the next, yeah, yeah, right. I, again, narcissism. I mean, pow. So, I'm... <laughs> So, you know, Melissa my my wife again, she's like super smart and super uh easy to read me. She knew me so well and she was like she was like, "So, you seemed like you had a good time. Maybe you might think about doing this other open mic." Uh-huh. And so we it was at Aromas. Uh at uh she had heard about it and uh they um Larry Priest okay. was running this open mic and I played there and I played there like this time and it was cool. And I played there the next time, and it was cooler. And I played there the next time, and it was cool. And Larry asked to sit in with me one time. You know, hey, I'll play this song with you. Because to... <laughs> what happened was I did a song, and I don't think I did a good job on the solo. <laughs> and I think Larry heard it. He'll never admit to this, but I think this is what happened.
2: So let me ask you this. Were you were you doing those solos by yourself? Or it yeah, this? yeah. Okay, so well, like was... you, would, you would play open chords and then break off and I would do
3: I, well I ch- I tried to specifically choose songs where I could play a small bit of solo without I didn't have to sing at that time uh-huh. you know and do it so I could play a little bit and uh I think it was Amos Moses was uh was one of the Amos Moses was one of the one the first Absolutely. ones that really had a lick it, well, you didn't just strum the chord. You had to uh-huh. and sing while you were, yeah, here come amen You had to do it all. And man, I remember it must have been years I spent like, trying to get that, to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, I had done that and uh, I did some other song. It was something along that line, but I did a bad job on the solo. I want to say it was a Randy Travis song or something, but it was again a rolling chord that I could kind of, uh, you know, do, you do roll do, 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 in and move, roll but, out, yeah, and and lay the chord at the same time. And I didn't do a great job. Uh-huh. And I always said that that was why Larry did it. Larry always said that it was because he thought I was cool, and uh, he thought I, you know, I could sing, and so he asked uh, me to come back, and I did, and uh, I met Chris Folks, who was he and Larry played together, okay. and. Cr- I played the kind of music that Chris dreamed about playing. He wanted to play fast Johnny Cash. He plays that upright bass, and man, few people on earth do it as good as Chris does, and love doing it too. Yeah. And uh, and so we we instantly hit it off. I I loved that kind of music. I loved old swingy, you know, stuff. I liked bluesy Elvis stuff, you know, Laudy Miss Claudie, and you know that fifties era kind of stuff. I okay. really enjoyed it. And so we hit it off, and we played. He would sit in with me at a solo gig I'd picked up here or there. I started, I played the open mics, and this lady that owned a bar out across the river asked me to come and play on Sunday afternoons. Like offered me like two hundred dollars a show to come and play solo for four hours, and I'm like, sure, absolutely. She's like, you got that many songs? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Uh, I I don't. You know, I play I, the
2: same songs twice.
3: What? No, I didn't have <laughs> to do that because one thing about me is that I can remember songs. <laughs> I don't have. A, I can do like <laughs> any song I ever heard. Just about. Uh, vocally, I may not be able to play it because I don't have any idea what they're doing, but have you got uh, like a C.S. Lewis. Is it like a total recall? Not well, musically, it seems to be like that, but I think what happens is I think I'm just obsessive. I think I just like, like, when I hear something I like, I want to know that. Like, I want to, if I hear I've been everywhere by Johnny Cash, I do that song. Yeah, nobody does that song, but I. I thought that was the coolest thing that he could rattle off. Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa. I just thought that was the baddest-ass stuff, man. Okay. And so I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. And,
2: uh, and so not to get too far ahead, but yeah. like I've heard about like with your acting that it's nothing for you to sit down and memorize the entire script and be completely prepped and ready. Like, it takes no time for you. Uh,
3: again, it's... I think... I can do that I mean I don't uh, I don't I always stress about it I stress about it constantly and that's my way to to, to lessen that like when it's time for me to learn lines when I, I hand write all my lines uh, my first <laughs> my first one role was the worst but like that's how I learned to do it. I was like okay I just got so many lines so I went back to third grade when you had to memorize how to spell something, what'd you do? You wrote it down like thirty times. However many times it took. Yeah, exactly. So I wrote it down, and and again, Melissa, man, the you know the the worthy adversary. Uh, she uh she was a line Nazi. She would uh, like, do you want to learn the lines? Okay, well here you go. Uh, you said and, and you should have said then, like out of a five minute monologue, you know, but. But, like, it, she knew me. She knew that's how I want it. Yep. I want to know exactly right. how to do it. Yeah. So, And I'm willing to put in the, the work, I'm I, whatever I got to do. So I'll handwrite 20 pages of lines, you know, like 20 handwritten pages. And I'll start with page one, and I'll be like, okay, I've got two months to learn these lines. And, and I'm just so, again, I'm so terrified of showing up and being the guy who doesn't, who doesn't know his lines. I'm so I'm so terrified of being the guy who shows up to the show and misses his solo because he can't remember what key he's playing it in or what you know how he opens it or something like that. I I I'm just you know I'm too nervous. I can't do that. So
2: to bring you back with Larry Priest and folks and like I've been everywhere, man. Like yeah back right there. So yeah, you're, so you're, we you're getting hooked up with folks.
3: Yeah, and we he and he and Larry played together. And Larry told Chris, you know, as they're, they were, and they still are, they're great friends. And I guess they talked about me one night, you know, and Larry was like, well, just let Shane know that if he's ever looking to put a little something together, you know, that I'd be glad to play guitar for him. And I had heard Larry play at these open mics. And like, Larry was the first local musician I ever met that was just a, God on the guitar. Like, Larry play, and he's, Larry's such an original player. There's a lot of guys, and Larry will be the first to tell you, they can play blues better than Larry can or something like that. But he has these techniques and these moves. His own way. Yeah, and he's, man, he is, he is just so wonderful at it. And he and Chris both were like, they were, in my opinion, you know, were so much above where I was. I was just honored to play with those guys. Seriously. Sure. And, uh, and it it was like that for like the whole time I played in the bands fully. Like uh, I, uh, the only th- the only good I was to the band was I was obsessive about. Okay, let's get these songs together. Like this is a weird song and it's got weird changes and you guys may not know how it goes, so here's how we do it. Or maybe I do it weird because when you play solo these and they taught me so much, they knew. When you play solo, you you do stuff you have that improvise. bands don't do. Yeah, you know, you yeah. play in a weird time, or you're used to waiting longer than somebody would wait, sure. and not having to signal anybody mm-hmm. and let them know boom dee, dee, that I'm going. <laughs> yeah. you know right yeah, away. Yeah, I mean,
2: I've done that, like playing open minds by myself or having a show by myself, to where if I'm playing a song that was intended for an entire band, and you have it's just you and a guitar. Yeah. So how am I gonna bring the best out of this cover? Yeah. That I can possibly bring.
3: I don't like uh I I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier or not, but I don't like me. I like us. Like I like the sound of our band. And I loved it, you know, when it yeah. was Larry and Chris and I, uh the band I have now, like when I when I write music, like I write it thinking about the band playing it. And when I have to play by myself, when I play solo, when I just me and the guitar and singing, I always feel inadequate. Like I always feel like this is not as good as it as, could be. as it as it should be. Even you know, like I don't. And maybe that's just how I've grown to feel about it. But even though I started doing solo stuff, just playing by myself, like I've always felt like I wasn't good enough to do solo stuff. Like that, I needed a group. I need you know I need I need an act in other uh-huh. words I need I need like-minded guys that that feel what I'm feeling and are enjoying what I what we're doing what I'm doing and uh I didn't know that at the time that that would lead to like the the melding a, gr- a great melding of a band and of a sound uh-huh. and of our own music and our own original feel and stuff you know but it It does. That's exactly what it needs,
2: you know, is that... uh, And so who all encompasses the Shane Tubbs band now?
3: uh, Now we have... uh, Well, I I feel the need to mention that we didn't break up. (laughs) Uh, Chris moved away. Uh, Chris had... uh, He caught another job. I think his wife caught another job, and they moved to the Carolinas for a while. Okay. And uh, while he was gone... I uh, tried a little bit of this and that. Uh, an old friend of mine that played in a rock band I sang in briefly uh, came over and played drums with us for a while, but he was traveling from Gordo and it became a, it was a big hassle for him. We were uh, we were getting few gigs because we were kind of transitioning and everything. Uh, Larry, uh, <laughs> Larry fell in love and uh, got to where he just didn't want to go out at quite as much as we were doing, you know. And so when that happened, uh I um I, I just kind of decided to back up and see what I wanted to do and uh, Shonda Williams uh w- had played with Larry and them and she and I knew each other and we knew each other we had we'd known each other for 20 years. We just didn't realize that we were musicians together and uh anyway, she uh she and I had played together a few times over the years. When I had tried to fill in or help them out or uh-huh. something, you know, when Marnie, uh, their singer, got she was sick one time and I sat in. One time, her and Larry couldn't make it, so I ended up taking over, like, the the show. Like, me and uh, Chris and Shonda played with them. And uh, so, they already had kind of a little ready-made band together. And then when Chris got ready to leave, this guy came to our sho- our last show, who I had played with a couple of times, uh-huh. but... I'll be honest with you, and I've told him this too, that I didn't really care for the way he played. Uh he he wasn't great at like just jumping on a song that he didn't know, you know. He was very he wasn't timid, but he, he liked to feel out a song and I liked a guy who played, you know, heavier. And he came to our show though, to our last show and he just sat through this whole show and introduced himself right at the end and was like, hey, I'm and I'm here to see, you know, I came to see you guys, man. You guys are good. I've seen y'all before. And I know this the last time I'll get to see y'all play with Chris. And I've, I've loved y'all's sound, you know. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And so uh, he comes up at the end and he's like, I really like the opportunity to play bass for you since Chris is leaving. And it was Ed. Uh, and Ed Swan, he's a professor at M-U-W, or MSU, I mean, and uh, – He's, he's like twice as smart as any of us, I assure you. And, but he, for some reason, his great intelligence, it doesn't quite extend to his musicality apparently and he thought that I was good. <laughs> so he came, so, so anyway, I was so impressed by this. Melissa was too. We were so impressed by the fact that he just came and sat through the show just so he could ask for a chance to play. Yeah. Well, I was like, you know what i'll I'll audition you, yeah, man, you come and hang out with us for a rehearsal, and we'll play, and he turned out to be easily trainable, you know, to whatever he wanted to play he could play, and moreover, and this is the point, he was fun, man, he's a funny, weird guy, man, he's a professor, you know, so yeah. he's just a little weird, and i'll oh my gosh, he's just the greatest guy, he's so fun, and he's a great musician he uh he's i mean he is he he backs up and shonda sits back there and shyly like runs the band (laughs) like like, her drum it she can play whatever style you put on her like instantly change from one to another she she stares at you and she can't wait for me to change or stop Uh or something like that and uh and we all love each other like, yeah. like we're all just so impressed by one another. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's it makes it so much fun. And I put the horse a little bit before the car. That's all right. I, I mean, yeah. it's I'll I'll spend a lot of time talking about them one way or another. Yeah. Uh, because so, like,
2: uh, <laughs> give give us uh, I guess the original lineup. It was Larry Priest. Yeah. And Folks, Chris Folks. Yeah. And, and myself, and you, just the it? three of us. Yeah, we so were a three. Shonda plays percussion.
3: Uh, she does, and we. And were, when did she
2: come in the picture?
3: This was uh, after Chris moved away, so I guess that was like 2014, late 2014, 2015. Okay. Uh, Larry, uh, we ran a three-piece with no percussionist. Uh, Chris played upright. I played rhythm and sang. You know, sang and occasionally would play a little bit of lead, but almost none. Uh, Larry. Lead guitar guy, uh-huh. blue harmonica, backup vocals. Yeah, Chris does backup vocals too. I keep pointing to them like they're here, or like anybody can bloody well see what I'm doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, they are here,
3: right? Sure, we're here. Yes, yeah. no, uh, but they. Uh, uh, anyway, we um we it, it was a very different sound than what we run now. Yeah. Uh when, you know, without a drummer, you you rely on you know a, a lot different. You rely on different things than you do with a drummer. And but yeah. I loved the three piece feel. And so in between what I have now and what I had then, I tried a four piece. I had Ed came in and uh, Larry was still playing lead guitar and myself, and then we got a drummer too. You know, we just we were like, okay, let's broaden it and big it, make it a little bigger. But it it just never did meld you know and maybe it was because of individuals or because of the group as a whole but it right. just never did work right but uh when uh larry like i said larry fell in love He uh this was in uh i think that was in early 2015 is is what i'm thinking because that's when we started uh really doing album work uh when i really started doing original work um, how did that come to be I wrote some I wrote some gospel songs uh in um uh, just before I turned 30 and you know 07 during the church time you know and uh I was such a churchy guy that I was real sketched about going to bars and stuff even uh because I I just didn't want to I was a deacon uh did I mention that maybe that was important No that yeah, but uh, maybe it yeah. was Yeah, I my religious history is in and of itself a a hilarious discussion. We need a Shane
2: Pubs part two.
3: Maybe so if if it's interesting enough for you. God help you. Uh, But uh, (laughs) some people don't have much going on. (laughs) The uh, uh, but anyway, just to sum it up, Melissa, my wife, she was a Christian when we got married, and I didn't attend church. And she attended, so I began going. Just you know, when I was in town, I would yeah, go with her. You're still she sang occasionally, right. right? Right? Well, I, mean, I don't. You know, God gave man every herb seed. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> don't make me quote the Bible. Uh, the uh, anyway, she went, and one this one, I didn't go with her, but this one Sunday, she was going to sing. She sang too. Melissa did. She okay, was, she was a beautiful singer. Uh, way more nervous than I would she would almost never be caught dead on stage but uh, uh, she she was singing at church because it's church and she felt like she should do that and uh, so I decided to go and I went and this church was just it was one of those rare churches that's not forward it's not pushy, it's not anything other than hey we love Jesus you're a great guy, if you want to hang out with us cool, Mm -hmm. like that that was the long and the short of it right there and uh, it's a great place. And to be. so we, so so you know, over six months time, I went very occasionally uh-huh. because of that. But the more I went, the more I realized that's exactly where they were coming from. They never like shoved on me or anything, uh-huh. you know. And they led, they helped lead me to Jesus. Like helped make me a decent human person. And uh, man, I, I can't say enough good stuff about churches. Like people yeah. hate on churches because they they're not perfect, but. Church has saved many am effort like myself, <laughs> from 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 stupidity. It, and, it, it's something
2: yeah. uh, that we... Uh,
3: and I'm pretty sure they knew I was stoned, and they just didn't say nothing.
2: Same thing, man. They it's, were just quiet about first it. <laughs> first time, well, I say that I, I was raised in church up until my parents divorced, and I, I guess the first time I stepped back into the church, I was probably 18. First time I went, I was stoned. Oh,
3: yeah. Wait, and, uh, I mean, it's a Wednesday night oh. Bible
2: study, and I, just, I i can't tell you, like, just to echo what you said was like, I believe, I believe in the church. Yeah, that uh, somewhere this, out this, there, this this idea of per- perfection—that mm-hmm. this church is full of perfect people—is far fetched. Because I believe the moment I find a perfect church, or if you find a perfect church, mm-hmm. the moment I walk in the door, it's not perfect anymore. Yeah, because I'm a person. And I'm not perfect. Yeah, just like Luke Bryan.
3: <laughs> like Luke okay. Bryan was fine there for a while, and then <laughs> no. There we go. <laughs> no, no, I'm just decent. <laughs> so we're in Larry time. and the, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. So I'm singing at church, and I go to this arts council thing, and I do the open mic, mm-hmm. and that leads to more open mics, and that leads to the band. Uh, but before that during the open mic phase. Very early in the open mic phase. Uh oh nine, I believe it was. So uh-huh. so I've been doing open mics uh for a couple of years. It's been I've played no gigs almost, you know, I've been booked almost nowhere. I'm certainly not running a band, you know. I'm just playing. Yeah. I'm just playing very occasionally. So uh I played this open mic at the uh Columbus Arts Council.
2: Enter ryan munson
3: it's a themed open mic and i'm supposed to be like a country uh, i th- i want to say it was like a bluegrass kind of thing or something like that and that there- were you there ryan munson was there he says that's what I mean, that's was what he says i didn't pay any attention to him actually i didn't pay any attention to anybody because as i've mentioned a couple of times i was of course terrified uh-huh. as I still am all these years later like 10, 15 years into playing publicly I still shake uh, but I was scared and uh, so I'm playing I just do my bit and uh, but we I do these fun songs like these funny uh, I think I did uh, Andy Griffith I did Woe Mule and uh, it, it was a good time what's Chris killed it I'm just gonna say oh it. I appreciate it he killed that. it he came out it was fun he was electric <laughs> he, he was fun I, I
2: left with the impression of that guy that guy's good like he just he's good-hearted, fun. That's the kind
3: of show that he brought to the table. And that's and still to this day, like that's what I love about our band and the uh-huh. kind of stuff I did. I that's if you leave my show, I want you to be like, man, Shane was having a good time anyway. I don't you know. I had a good time because yes, he was right. Right. He made me have a good time. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but anyway, Andrew Colem okay. who is uh, Scott Colum's, uh twin brother. Uh, he's our uh, uh, circuit clerk judge, circuit court judge, uh, right now. Anyway, um, Scott Colum. Yeah, Scott Colum. Did I say Colum? And, and
2: I said, said Andrew, Colum. You should Andrew.
3: Well, Andrew is his brother. Brother, twin brother. Right. Brother. Yes, Andrew is the guy that was there, and his friend Origin. And these guys, I don't mind telling you, I'm a really white dude. Y'all can't see me, but I am. And, uh, <laughs> like, these guys, one one guy's a black guy, you know. And the other guy is, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know, Indian. I had no idea at the time. His name was Arjun Khal, though, and he is one of my favorite humans on Earth. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but these two guys are sitting there, and they, like, wave me over. <laughs> and I'm, I'm me. I'm just me, man. This guy just did some funny stuff and yeah. they're like they're like man you were good and I am like, thanks man I appreciate that he's like no you're really good and look the whole reason we came tonight is because we're trying to find somebody who can play this part in this short film that we're doing and and I'm like and? because <laughs> that's obviously not me and they, he's like I really think we've got a part that would be perfect for you Yeah, uh, would you be willing to come and just read some lines and audition for us I do. Now, when I say that I'd never thought about acting, everybody's thought about acting. Okay. Right? Yeah. Hasn't ever, haven't you dreamed of being yeah. Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Or uh, actually, it's probably Harrison Ford, you know. Everybody wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was a kid.
2: I mean, yeah. Who is it for you? Yeah, no I mean, doubt. Your hero, any, your any movie of those hero. i have been in
3: any Marvel movie. Right, I, exactly. I, Thank I've yeah. Any of those things. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. And so. As, you know, I'm, again, narcissist. Anything
2: anything iconic.
3: Absolutely. So, so anyway, he's like, you know, will you come audition? And I'm like, yeah. So, I leave, and Melissa and I are talking about it afterwards. She's like, so where are you going? And I'm like, well, it's at the Court Square Towers. And she's like, okay, cool. And I go up there. It's on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) I go up there, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's very deserted on a Sunday afternoon. And it was a little eerie, and I go up and I go to the door, and I don't mind telling you, I was afraid. I started. I got to go in, and I'm like, "Here's these two guys I don't even know. They've invited me to this deserted <laughs> business building here, yeah. and I'm going in. I don't even know what's up. And I go in, and it's just the two of them, and they have me read these lines from the screenplay that they wrote, uh-huh. and and they told me they tell me about the idea, they tell me about the part I'll play, which is like. Your your typical white boy young cop is the part I'll be playing. You know, he's a 22 year old, 23 year old white boy cop, and it's this great story. It's called The Flight of Calvin Waters, and uh, okay. it won. They won an award at a Magnolia Film Festival over in Starkville. They, uh, I think they did well at the Oxford Film Festival. It was, you know, it was it was what it was. But I thought I thought it was incredible, especially to a guy who had never. I'd never even thought about doing stuff like that. Well, these guys had like Hollywood trained friends. Friends yeah. who had cameras, friends who knew how to operate them, people whose exclusive job it was to pick up cables and tie them up. Like it was there was like a 30 person cruise that was they well ended up It was a real they had like a thirty, forty thousand dollar camera that rode on a Ford truck while we they did like a chase scene, they borrowed a Columbus PD car. It Those was.
2: Those guys still around? Cause I got some ideas.
3: It was fantastic. Uh, uh, I don't think so. We did a few. I did a few funny films for him later. I played a gay uh, uh, home renovator one time for him. Uh, you know, probably not the best work I ever did, but still, we had a, we had loads of fun. Yeah. But uh, this thing was super professionally done. And it was uh, this was my first experience in any acting at all, and these people like were so serious. I bent to help somebody pick up a cable one time. It's like uh uh-uh. uh, and the guy's like, "I'm sorry, man. I know you don't know, but you're not allowed to touch that. Like I could get fired if you touch that." Wow. Like, he's like, "You're that the serious." He's like, "You're the talent. You wait in the trailer in the air conditioning." Uh, it was August, and it was super hot. And they did. They kept. They called me the talent. And they kept me in a trailer until it was time for me to come out and for them to film for 20 minutes. And. Keep me dry while they my, so my makeup didn't run and put me back in the trailer. We did this for two days and it was seriously. It's still one of the most surreal experiences I've I ever bet. had because it was to me it was like going to Hollywood and filming for two days and then just going back to my regular life. Yeah, uh, these guys and like I said, they called in a lot of favors, but it, it did very well. I've still got a copy of it at home. It's not my best acting, but <laughs> but I did I had a good time and I was typecast and I did good. I talked like I do, so I you know I perfectly fit this guy who's supposed to be in love with this white girl who's secretly in love with this black girl, and there's like this triangle thing you okay. know and it was it was a really good role for a guy who looks like me and sounds like me, and I'm not like that, but still <laughs> I acted and uh so all of that led to. The the next year, I I work at an oil change place, and I had been i had started working there in like oh nine or oh eight, and so I was working there then at that time, and this lady came through for this uh, Tennessee Williams festival that they do here in Columbus, right? And it was at our forty five store, but I worked at our our East Columbus store, and they said in passing, you know, the the girl said. Uh, we're doing auditions. If any of you guys, you know, wanna come and audition, you know, we're we're looking for you know, we're doing open auditions for the play. And uh mechanics, we men especially <laughs> are we're <an> aggravating sort. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, Well, our big old movie star fellers over there at the East Columbus store. That's where he's at. You he's a big old more. actor. He done been in films and everything, you know. Yeah. Well they're just giving me a... Well, this chick came over and, like, asked for me. Is this she's,
2: Brenda Carradine?
3: No, no. No, no. We'll get to Brenda in a minute. Okay. But right, so okay.
2: They came over to East Columbus.
3: Yeah, they came over to the East Columbus store, the store, this young girl and her buddy. And they're like, hey, is there an actor here? We heard that one of y'all's guys is an actor. And again, my co-workers are like, hell yeah, there he is over there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so... So, they come over, and I'm telling you, I love working with men. (laughs) Church, Anyway. So, but I should thank them, because because she comes over, and she's like, hey, we're doing auditions. Yeah. Uh, Can you make it here? And I couldn't. I had to work. Right. And I'm like, I got to work. She said, well, look, I'll try to set you up a video audition. So, I'm thinking to myself... Well, this is not this is not gonna happen because like we got
2: Shane Tubbs down in the old right, right,
3: exactly. <laughs> yes, nobody knows. And and seriously, when I say nobody knows who the f Shade Tubbs is, nobody. Like I had no idea. Anyway, so they I do this audition and it's like a real bloody audition. This guy uh, is a uh, Russ. His name was Russ Blackwell. I got it. Yes, I love you, Russ. And he was. He reminded me of that football coach I talked about, Stan Moss. Okay. He ran. He he was a drill sergeant of a director, and he ran the audition like that. He's like, "Read, hey, no, just read this part. Read hey, it now. I need anger. No, I need real anger. Like, rah, rah, rah. like and how so, did you get angry? So right, right. And so I was like, I was very nervous, but I did it by video chat, which was very big in 9 I couldn't. I'd never seen this even yeah. before. And so I do this, and I got a role in this play, and. It's, it's one of the one of the few times where they've had like a huge cast for the Tennessee Williams play. Russ Blackwell, it turned out, I didn't know him, turned out he's like a big... He was on a, a NC, uh, NCI, a CSI, uh, CSI, NCIS or something like that. He was on a big show that was on yeah. a lot at the time. He was in the movie uh, Battlefield uh, Los Angeles uh, about the alien thing. or He was like a general thing, and he was filming that is why he couldn't make it here to do the audition so that's why he
2: was doing the video
3: yeah and when he showed up like he ran this thing just like it was that movie that i did that first film so this is my second job and this is live theater and so i it was the same thing so this is just i thought this is just how acting goes like you have some director and they're like i'll never forget russ told this guy one time i told you to dance I didn't ask if you wanted to dance. I said, "Dance or go, whatever." <laughs> so, dude danced. It was a great part in the play, by the way. When dude did the little shimmy, I think it, was I think it was fantastic. It was great. He knew what he was it was. I think dance about. right now. Yeah, I know. I want to dance because of <laughs> it. And we all dance. Anyway, he uh, he ran this great show, and I I acted in this show, and he he thought I was good. Uh, I, I mean, I thought it was fun, but he just, he thought I was really good. And so he told Brenda Carradine, <laughs> he told Brenda, Brenda Carradine, Carradine <laughs> to, uh, to watch me because he thought I was good. And so she came to one of our rehearsals and she, as she always told the story, I got to smoke on stage. It was one of the last times you could actually smoke a real cigarette on stage. Get and I got you. to do that uh, the whole time. The whole show I got every time I was on stage, I had a cigarette, and she said it was the sexiest thing. I was just leaned against this column and I'm pissed off, and I'm sitting there lighting my cigarette, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, uh. and she's like, "Oh yeah, And so the next year, I got another role because like she apparently she told the director, "This guy's awesome, You got to put him somewhere mm-hmm. you know. So I got a lead role that year, and uh that's when Melissa and I met this chick, Melanie. She came to see the play and knew the director, and the lady that was playing my opposite lead Uh wasn't there that day. She was, turns out she had problems. So anyway, she couldn't make it. And uh, they asked Melanie to stand in for her because Melanie had theater degree, and she's a director, and... Oh, she's fantastic in her own right. Yeah. Don't ask her about it. Anyway, uh and she uh <laughs> she came up in red lines. Well she ended up getting the role uh-huh. and she jokingly told me because she had to like straddle me at one point during the you know the rehearsal sure. she jokingly said i better go introduce myself to your wife because you know this might get a little weird and her and my wife became wonderful friends became right. like just some of the best of friends so melissa didn't make like a lot of lady friends her and her sister were extremely close yeah but she didn't make a lot of girlfriends uh i uh i told you earlier my uh when we were just talking off uh offline here that uh uh all of my male friends, everybody almost called her wife, okay. called Melissa wife. Uh, the people that knew me my whole life, like, referred to her as wife, I'm almost certain, because they knew that it must take, like, a real wife to, to tame my behind. And that's exactly what she did. Uh, Melissa uh, shocked. Uh, dude, when we got married, I'm sure everybody that knew me was, like, six months, maximum.
2: Yeah. There's no way. Yeah,
3: no, no. Like, we were married 16 years. And, uh, like, I mean, it's it's still, like, I still think about that, like, abstractly. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, but, seriously, Melissa gets 70, 80% of, of the credit for that. She would give me more, but that's just because she deserves what credit I just gave her. She's a great person. Yeah. She was. Uh, but, uh, her and... Uh, uh, her and Melanie, like I, I was saying there, um, they uh they became buddies. Melanie, um Melanie had four kids and Melissa and I didn't have any kids. We never wanted kids and it was because of uh, her kidney failure she was it was dangerous for us to have kids, you know, on a level. Absolutely. So uh we lived vicariously through her sister. Her sister had a son. Uh J J's the boy. Anybody who knows me knows who the boy is <laughs> he's, he was our pride and joy and he yeah. is uh, he's a great kid uh, and uh, my brother Bubba had a son but we don't get to see him a whole lot it was very rare that we got to see him and so uh, the Melanie having kids like when we wanted to do stuff, very occasionally that involve kids, for example, like uh going to see a minion movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a despicable me or something like that, we would just invite the kids you know here's this lady she's a single mom, and she's got these four kids, so the kids were wonderful guys, and we loved them and they were just they were just cool kids to hang out with right and uh so so we did that a lot uh Melanie would come to the show, she liked our music and she her and Melissa got along, so a lot of times she would just come to just. Keep Melissa company because Melissa never missed a show. Like Melissa, and I, I will, I will say this a lot, but Melissa was just the greatest. Like when I did play rehearsals, we rehearsed like four or five, six nights a week, for hours and hours. Wow. You know, when you rehearse for a play, you do that for weeks until you, you know, until everything's right and everybody gets everything perfect. And Melissa would just come and sit through every rehearsal every single rehearsal same thing over and over and she would just sit out in the audience and you know not that there's an audience she would just sit out in the she was there and just watch and sometimes she would help but uh, you know just as often she would not be doing anything she would just be there till because she felt like she wanted to be there for me man and that was that was just i mean that's that is a broad statement about what kind of wife she was overall. Like that was just the kind of chick she was. Like if you wanted to really set the standard, if if you were a person who wanted to be something, then you couldn't have anybody better in her, in your corner than her. She was always at those rehearsals. She'd always be at those shows and Melanie felt bad for her because she would have to come and hear the same songs, you know, week after week. (laughs) So they would hang out. She would come and see us and hang out and, uh, Melissa and I would joke some nights about how we needed to... We needed to find Melanie a man. We gotta find this chick a dude, you know, but but it's hard to find a guy who's willing to take up with, with four kids. And so... Truth so, story. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, it was always just kind of this, this aside that we had, but through the years, Melissa got down as the years went on, and she passed in 2016. And, uh, but over that time her and melanie became very close like melanie was uh, a big help uh, to me personally she's a social worker she helped with uh with a lot of uh, melissa's medical stuff and questions i had that i didn't know what to do you know and i could ask her and she was a huge help for that kind of thing and uh Kept us fed a lot of times. She knew they were, we were living on my cooking while mom was, was down. So she I guess she thought we needed protein from time to time so she would send us
2: food. <laughs> Roman noodles. Yeah, right, up. right.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can't make hamburger helper so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I, make a, I make a good pie, but uh, I forgot Baker. Baker goes on the list, too, uh, of weird stuff that I do. But uh, there are a few people in this town that make cheesecake as good as I do. Uh, <laughs> there you go and I don't know why I know I know it's it's not fair uh, but I love cheesecake I don't know what to tell you <laughs> I do so I learned how to make it
2: <laughs> I gotta have a Shane
3: Tubbs cheesecake cause someday. I like it I, you're, you're deserving you are you've, thank you've, you you've had to sit through all this at least uh, so uh so yeah so I'm acting now now I'm uh you got a band I got a I got a band you know Chris Larry and I played together then Chris moved when Chris moved it turned out to be this instrumental thing with music because he left and when he did I had to like regroup with what I wanted to do with music. And I had written a few songs, gospel songs and you know, worship songs and stuff like that, but I had never tried to just write like a just a song for our band. We always did cover music, you know, we covered whatever we wanted. <laughs> we covered right. Leonard Skinnerd, and then the next song we did Andy Griffith, and then the next song we did whatever we wanted. You know, that's God, just what just all we over. yeah, that's what we wanted to do, and that's what we did. So, uh, so anyway, I ended up in this like position where I'm having to refocus everything, and so I decided to just try to write a couple of what I called then secular songs. <laughs> you know, right. like just regular songs. There, there's this line in walk the line the, that movie you, you know and uh, about Johnny Cash and he says that you, you know he's talking about writing a song and are you going to tell them the same stuff they've heard a thousand times or are you going to try to tell them something real? And that's what I felt about my gospel music. I felt like I was saying stuff that I they couldn't say. Do. Well, not only that, but just stuff that I couldn't say to everybody because not everybody understands the Christian viewpoint. Not everybody sure. understands the godly viewpoint. Not everybody understands even a you know an, an eternal being viewpoint. A lot I, of people are atheists. A lot of people absolutely need may,
2: spirituality where they are. I may be wrong, but mm-hmm. I want to say I think it was Bob Dylan mm-hmm. that in an interview they asked him why he doesn't write a spiritual song, and I think he said, like I said, you can look me up and I'll be yeah, totally yeah, yeah. wrong. But he was like, if I were to sing about God, I'd have to be right. Mm-hmm. And that was the most profound thing to me. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he wrote the way he wrote. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Bob would not right.
3: Right. Well, because
2: like, well, you know... <laughs> Uh, but even you know, Bob would say he wasn't
3: right about everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm saying, and like, you're right. If you're gonna write, if you're gonna write a song about about God, then you're exactly right. You better know what you're talking about. You better be yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the last thing I want to do is talk to Jesus, you know, in the afterlife, and him be like, "Yeah, you said this about, but I don't really agree with that. I don't want to have that conversation." I, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and but any, you know, that. That was the kind of thing I thought about. I had just started playing in bars, and it's a weird spot for a guy who was... I was a deacon, you know, at that time, and it was a strange place to be in to where I knew people would look at it as it being wrong for me to, to play at a bar, you know, and stuff. But but I knew that there, were, that there were people there that I could talk to. Sure. You know, that there were people there that would understand the things that I felt... And that I, in turn, would be able to understand where they were coming from, you know. And uh, and so, anyway, that's where I, I started writing stuff from, was from just, you know, why don't you, instead of trying to write something that, you know, that worships God, like you're already doing, you know, why don't you instead write something that makes somebody else Think about who they are, or the kind of person they are, or or agree with you, you know, or or maybe you can change their mind, or maybe you can talk about their point of view.
2: It's yeah, just a point of meeting somebody. At exactly,
3: this time. yeah. And my and the first few songs I wrote were exactly along those lines. I wrote, I think the very first secular style song I wrote was "Roses," and it was about the the horish guy I was before I got married. It was, you know, it was about that kind of guy, that player guy who just travels town to town and I'm not in love with anybody. I'm yeah. just, you know, I'm just here Whoever's for a good there. time or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, but I, I knew that there were, you know, there were people at my church. There were people that I knew that didn't feel that way anymore, but they had. And they, you know, they knew what that felt like. And then I knew there were people that felt like that now, you know, yeah. or people that have been done that way by buy that jackass, you know, (laughs) or something like that, you know, and uh, so that's the kind of stuff I I lean towards, what's the kind of stuff, I know what I'm talking about here, Like, you know, anything I felt like that, I felt confident in my point of view, then I would try to write a song about that, Uh, I wrote a song about fishing, about crappie fishing, because I love crappie fishing, but I had a friend who hated country music, hated it, Yeah, and I was like, I'm gonna write a song that you will like it's a country song and he's like whatever it's my best friend daniel petters and uh we fish together all the time yeah and so like i start this song out like as corn poem, like 80s country love song as i can possibly do baby don't go i mean just you know just <laughs> and the whole like first verse is like that and then we break into this fun bluegrass bit of and it's just all it is is like a it's like a fishing Weird Al Yankovic song you know yeah. it's just us having fun and me saying stupid you know fishing, fishing terminology yeah. like uh, i worked with this guy who said he was going to drown menners. that's what he's doing I'm going to drown menners. and I thought that was the it's, first of all it's terrible <laughs> you can't a, drown them, you're man. a heartless person yeah <laughs> Who is just out here to drown minnows? You're yeah. a bad person. But I thought that was just the coolest turn of phrase. And 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 again, you know, I put that kind of stuff in there because that's that's the stuff that makes me happy. Like, you know, nobody says stuff the same way. And when you catch stuff, something that's like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. You know, then then that you know that should be recorded somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> that first album, like like really is the full. It's the full pendulum swing of the kind of writing I like to do, okay. and uh, this uh, we're working on a new album now.
2: Now this is and number three.
3: <clears throat> this is our third album. We're working and what you on gave now. me was number one, yes sir. And it's uh, I I li- it's it's exactly like I was saying about the kind of music I like. It's I tried to make sure that I put all of it in there that I've got the fun you know i love i love this just the idea of let's get together and sing something let's just sit around and ha 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 and those you know crappie is that kind of a song you know uh it's it's got you know it has i spent time exploring the stuff i didn't like about myself with uh-huh. the song roses is the opening song on it that's the one i was talking about a minute ago about the player right. you know and things i didn't care for about myself you know uh there's uh there's a song called Miss in there which is basically my attempt at like trying to play the kind of music that I liked at that time which was uh and still is uh but a really just a simple groovy you know almost you don't need lyric to say hey do you feel this me too you know okay ding ding it's a uh, Miss is uh we wrote that Larry and I started fooling with this riff one afternoon. And uh we it, it just grew into this song, you know, this easy go it's almost like a river song, you know, but it's just it's about nothing. It's about if you've been to if you've been to Mississippi and that's where I'm from and, yeah. and, and, and people are uppity sometimes and I don't care. Yeah. Like it's like just such a weird thing. But but again, it's the kind of thing I love about music is yeah. that you you know, you can the music can talk sometimes. The lyric doesn't have to talk as much as the music does
2: and you just feel you feel that yeah, yeah me too absolutely and so with uh, with everything that you've kind of told me over the, the past hour uh, when you were coming up as a teenager and you know an infant to that stage and we were listening to Guns N' Roses and mm-hmm. Van Halen and Barbara Mandrell and Barbara Mandrell and, Barbara and <laughs> Mom we don't give a crap about that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then, moving on, like are those influences still instilled here? They're way in there, they're so stuck in
3: there, like Dan seals is you know is part part of that crappie song that I was talking about where I started out just as whack as I feel like I can make it is <laughs> okay. my ability or not my ability, but my attempt i mean yeah at at trying to like put myself in that situation where, boy, this song sucks. Like, I really wanted to, I, I really do, I want the listener to hear that song and almost turn it off. I tried, I tried to, I'm serious. I'm serious. I literally went for that. I did. When I
2: listened to this, all the way old. Yeah. When you if listen I cut to it off, I would, t- I would tell you.
3: When you listen to <laughs> Crappie, like, I, I really do believe this. I believe that there are 50% of the people who bought my album not, not knowing us just bought the album because they were like, yeah, I'll give this a try. I think they skip crappie. I think, I think maybe I went a little longer than I should have on the Dan Seals esque. <laughs> but I do, I do, I really do feel that way because, but, but I, but I had to. Like it was just, it's part of the joke. You know, it, it is. And when we play it live, uh, Ed, I told you, Ed is I, I think like
2: this podcast yeah. is really gonna help seal the deal for some of these people. <laughs>
3: you know what I'm saying yeah they'll go back and be like oh let me listen Uh, I get it now I need to yeah I gotta check this out but it it, you know it's so funny you say that because I uh, and I may play that later but uh, (laughs) okay uh, I'd love to hear it it's one of those it's one of those songs that I just did, but, you know. I wrote it as thinking to myself, I don't care how it sounds. It's just going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a fun song. I wrote. There's a song on our second album about. I mentioned this earlier about hating marriage, and I, I'm a married dude. I was married for 16 years, you know, and then and now you know, I'm remarried. Yeah, now I'm remarried. I I, I am a proponent of, of monogamy. Marriage. I am. But every married man will tell you, it ain't all fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, it's a little irritating. And so that's what that song is. It's like, this is all the stuff that irritates you. And my wife gets on, Melanie gets on to me because I'm like, well, that's the song I wrote for you, baby. But <laughs> <laughs> I refer to love as the worst of STDs <laughs> <laughs> in that song. Under the name Chlamydia. And, and uh, <laughs> finally caught the worst of stds Uh, and close to it's i mean yeah you're right it ranks you're right maybe (laughs) you're right in hindsight maybe not the worst but it is funny
2: (laughs) hey i think this is a great opportunity to have shane play some songs
3: ed when we play i'll I'll just do this because ed's not here but I, if I'd have brought the guys, this would be a nine-hour podcast. Tight. <laughs> but Ed, if I'm playing the song, I always tell people that this is a this is a love song, and it is. Uh, but uh, Ed knows that I wrote this song for my buddy that hates country music, and so Ed always like cries during the opening part as if it's a really sad song, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's always so funny. He's just like, <sighs> and I'm gonna miss that while I'm doing this, so it's a very serious love song about fish. Baby, Baby don't go. Don't you love me no more. She called out as I packed my things. But I've heard it all before. She knows and I know I'm headed for beautiful spring I got up before the dawn and drove my truck away I met Dan at the river and we motored out of ways We wandered toward the east bed until it got daylight then we drew out our weapons and we waited for a bite We're after Croppy, Croppy Let us fella know he is alive After Croppy, Croppy One day I'll have to catch another wife Bobbers down, cane pulls up, day of the dark it goes From March until November, baby, that's just how we roll their mouths are sore, the basket's full. I know it's getting late, but these minners ain't gonna drown ourselves, and we don't waste good bait. We're after crappie, crappie. I told that woman I'd be home by nine. After crappie, crappie. One day I'll have to catch another wife. We're after crappie, crappie.
1: Day all
3: have to catch another
2: whine, man. I pray I'll have to catch another whine. Yes, sir. Oh, that's crappy. dude.
3: <laughs> so I don't know why I would hate country music after that song. <laughs> you
2: could.
3: Yeah, right, right. But you see what I mean? Like the, I have to. I had to do both. I had to. I had to start it out like, "Eh." because I told him he was going to love it. And then it it starts out, and he's like, I'm not going to love this, really.
2: Well, that's going to wrap the Wednesday episode of Ports Talk up. Thank you all for listening. Monson, thank you for allowing us to use the Trading Post to record this episode. If you are unfamiliar with Munson Brothers, you can go to MonsonBrothers.com, or you can find them on social media. But to give you a rundown, it's an apothecary and so it's got beard oils and balms it has soap they do candles they have mosquito repellent and body balms there's something for the guys and the girls so for that dude or maybe you are the dude with the beard or clean shaven there's something definitely for you there so go give them a try try their products out i've been using them for a year And I haven't looked back or even thought about trying anything else. All right, I got to go get ready for the Sunday episode. I got to get down to Lucid Brews. It's going to be an untapping vinyl monk. All right, guys, I'll see you again on Sunday. Peace out.